welcome to Arrow Women. We are excited to be back with you guys. We hated missing you guys last week, but you know, life takes us and we just go with the flow. Um, And so we just wanted to welcome you guys back to the podcast. And today we are covering Ruth. So if many of you don't know, Ruth is one of my favorites (laughs) because she was named after, well, my friend was named after her, but um, I feel like I knew the story well growing up and then the more that I read it I'm like oh I did not know it as well as I thought I knew it um (laughs) especially the fact that the story of the man Boaz in the story as you will find out as we cover it was Rahab's son from last week so uh that was something that kind of shocked me but (laughs) if you want to know where Ruth is Ruth has a book all to herself yep yep and it comes right after Joshua and Judges. So if you need to go lo- locate Ruth, she falls right after the book of Judges. Uh, and she has a couple chapters to her name. Four chapters, which is pretty awesome. Um, and so I just kind of, we want to kind of dive into Ruth today. Ladies, who wants to go first? Okay, Chi. Cherry. I volunteered you. <laughs> you. Who's, who's you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, really? There's no you here. Anywho. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, I've always known Ruth, but of course, in the last few years, I, well, when I became an adult, I heard Ruth from the perspective of being Boaz by Ruth or being mm. Boaz. Right. Ruth being Boaz. However you want to put it, that's, that's what happened. Um, but there's so much more to the story and so much more to the person Ruth than just being you know, finding her perfect um, husband, the perfect guy that everyone wishes that they had. Um, I think what's interesting about this book alone, because I know that we do have guys who are listening to our podcast. So fellas, while you're looking- Hey guys. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) While you're reading the book of Ruth, you know, just take a glance at Boaz um, because there is some character traits that he has that I think would be great for- men to talk about someday yeah come on um, in terms of our dear Ruth I think there are a few things that really like jumped out at me Uh, a couple of things that I thought were as a Christian woman that I should try to emulate um, or at least make sure that I embodied in some way Um, one was her devotion let's just talk about that right off the bat right um how she chose to be devoted, not just to Naomi, but she decided that she would be devoted to a God she did not know. Um, mm. Even though I would assume living probably in the same house with Naomi and, you know, her husband, father-in-law, all of that before the men died off. Um, she was probably exposed to a little bit of that, but she had grown up in this community of people who worship gods. And this was a, a country or people that actually opposed and were enemies of the Israelites, but here she was willing to forsake all of that and devote her entire life to serving and being part of, or having a covenant relationship with God. I love that she says, um, and your people will be my people and your God will be my God. She's not just saying, oh, and I'll, I'll acknowledge your God. She's saying he will be mine. Um, and that to me just speaks very loudly about who she is as a person um 
So she wanted to be devoted to her mother-in-law, but she also wanted to be devoted to the God, the God that had seen her mother-in-law through the deaths in her family and was now leading her back. And she didn't know where she was going, but she was going to trust this God. So um, that was the first thing. I had like several other things listed uh, things that just come. Let's go into the devotion. I feel like there's a lot to go into the devotion right there. Like that's a key part. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, so many things to say, but I think, um, what I love most about the story of Ruth, um, is that relationship with Naomi. Um, there's so much to be said about the fact that, okay, so you know how I like to paint the picture. Let me yes. start by painting the picture. Um, so this is after the book of Judges. So judges have been ruling Israel. And it's a time of war, a time of famine, a time of like um, idolatry. There's a lot of like just horrible things going on uh, at this time. So there's this guy who I always pronounce his name wrong. I think it's Elimelech. Elimelech. Yeah. I think you Sounds it right. Yep, you got it. <laughs> so Elimelech. Um, he's married to Naomi and he moves his family. He's in Judah um, and in Bethlehem in Judah. And he moves his family um, to go live in the country of Moab. Moab, as you rightfully uh, described, is a place where they don't believe in God. So this is like a foreign people. And he moves his family there. Um, in that process, he dies. And his two sons, who have now taken wives, also die. So the mother-in-law, Naomi, is left mourning not just the loss of her husband, but the loss of her two sons. Um, and you tell, you can tell from right off the bat that she's close with her daughter-in-laws. Um, she's, she's got two, Ruth and Orpah. And um, their relationship is just so close. And I always thought about that as such a really cool thing to see. Um, we know what kind of mother-in-law narrative we have in society today Mm -hmm. so this is like the opposite of that this is a mother-in-law that loves their daughter-in-law um and they get along great and I also love just that multi-generational relationship um where you see like friendship and you see loyalty and you see real true like honoring um that older generation so there's a lot to take away just in terms of that loyalty to women loyalty to an older woman um, the kind, being the kind of woman that can stick by um, somebody like that and learn from them, which she does throughout the whole story of Ruth. Um, she learns a lot. She listens to Naomi. So that's another big part of it. Yeah. But anyway, so these guys have all died. And Naomi's like, you know, she she's so in despair. She even says at one point, I think in chapter one, she talks about how like, yep. you know, my this God that I love so much has even turned his back on me. Like she's so depressed. She's so sad. She doesn't know what to do besides go back to her hometown, uh, back to Bethlehem. So she tells her two daughters-in-law that they can stay here, find new new husbands, new lives. You know, she's thinking you guys are still young. You can still get married again. You don't have kids. Um, It's okay. You know, I can just go back by myself. And both of them say no, Oprah and Ruth, at first say no, but it looks like Oprah starts to think about it uh, and then changes her mind when she starts to think about it a little bit more. But Ruth, as we know, defies all of those assumptions about daughters-in-law and uh, remarrying women that, that, 
you know, have the opportunity to get married again or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she decides like, no, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to not just um, go back with you, but devote my life to making sure that you're good because you're family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really special. I think that is so special. I think we, we want to be those kinds of friends. We want to be those kinds of women um, who are devoted to the people in our lives and who are devoted, especially to the older women in our lives. Yeah. We have so, so much to learn from them. Yeah. Verse 14, you see here, it says Ruth clung to her. Yep. Um, yeah. And that word always stuck out to me. Um, I have like started my Bible because the word clung and actually if you break it down into like, you know, I like, like my Hebrew <laughs> breaking down my words. Yeah. But it actually means to abide and to hold on. And the thing that just kept coming to mind as I was reading that, and I had that big start by it is, do I do that with Jesus? Like, do yeah. I cling on to him no matter how bad it looks, which road I'm going? Do I cling and abide to him? And so mm-hmm. that really stuck out to me that um, Ruth actually, you see her doing that. It's like a beautiful picture of her clinging on to Naomi and saying, no, I'm going where you go. I want to do what your God be my God. You see that further down in verse 16 right here. But what you also have to put in context is that women back in this day, guys had no rights whatsoever. Like if their husband died and their sons died, they had no property anymore. They were basically just there and they had to fight sin for themselves. They had no rights to the land. They, so like now you would get a will and you could get the rights to your land after your husband died. But back then, it automatically went to the next living man. The women had no say. So this is where you find Naomi. She literally has lost her two sons. She's lost her mm-hmm. husband. And so when you see that desperation that comes out of Naomi when she's talking to Ruth here and, um, and they're going back to Bethlehem, that, that depression and stuff is because she literally had lost everything. Like her yeah. land, her house, any of her possessions, except for what she carried on her back, she had nothing at that point. Um, yeah. And so that's where you kind of see, and Ruth was aware of that. So Ruth is actually clinging to her, knowing that what she's walking into, like, yeah, she doesn't know what she's walking into because there is nothing given rightfully to them. And I think that's why it's so profound that she says, no, I'm going with you because, um, like you said, the culture and the context was that women were completely silenced when they had um, no husband and no children, especially. Um, and that put them in a position where they had no voting rights when it came to you know, issues of government. They had no say when it came to land. Um, and so she knew that life was going to be hard for Naomi. And we know just throughout the Bible, like God's heart is for the widow. God's heart is for the orphan. Um, so for her to even be saying like, my God, who I believe in has forsaken me, um, you can see just that abandonment of her own faith for a second. Um, and just taking on this like level of despair that circumstances can sometimes impose on us when we don't intend for it to take away our faith. It does because the circumstance is so heavy. Uh, is that not what's going on right now (laughs) in real life? Um, if you don't pay attention to how heavy that circumstance can actually be. Um, it does have the power to take away your faith. So it's, it's an easy thing to do um, to fall into despair and depression when things are hard and heavy and you don't see the, the way out. But here we have um, another woman, which makes my, like it warms my heart that another woman is willing to like 
stick by her through that. Um, and more so someone that's younger and someone that could easily choose a better life for themselves. But even the fact that she's willing to put her trust in a God that Naomi's telling her has forsaken her, she kind of just brings yeah. her back. You know, and, and we need people like that in our lives, right? Like this rightfully saying, um, Shira, that we need people, whether they're older or they're younger or the same age, people who will be there for us and who will remind us, even if they don't know exactly what we're going through or what we're going to face. But they're there to remind us that mm -hmm. God is there and I'm, you know, he'll always be there. He's for you. And look, I'm also for you. Beautiful. Are we ready to talk about Boaz? Yes, because that's chapter <laughs> two. I mean, that's like the next part, right? <laughs> Literally, and the segue <laughs> makes a lot of sense because as we're talking about like just loyalty and people being there and things like that, the, the discussion Boaz. about who he is, yeah, who he is and 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 his character, there's a lot there. Um, there's that mirror of loyalty that you get from Ruth. He's a very influential, wealthy man in Bethlehem, which shout out to Rahab because she raised a real one, right? Correct. Um, so he ends up being she like broke that really cycle. Cool, right? Important guy. She, you know, she got him herself to a point where she could raise a son like that. So um, that's awesome. But then we we hear and we see in chapter two that he was wealthy and influential. Um, so everybody knew about this guy to some degree in this town. Um, and Ruth knew about him. She knew that there was some connection to her family. Um, and she comes up with this plan. And not Ruth, sorry, Naomi comes up with the plan and then sends Ruth out uh, to go pick the grain. So she starts to play in this matchmaker, seeing an opportunity, which I think is so cute. Um, because can you just picture this like mother-in-law, older woman? She's like, you know what? They would make a great couple. <laughs> And she's just like, how can I make this happen? This is like my mom. My mom would totally do this. <laughs> I mean, I like when Boaz even steps into the scene. Like, you literally just see him all of a sudden. Naomi basically says, go to the field. And then when Boaz enters the scene, all the reapers, like, greet him with, like, this great greeting. Like, he steps on and he greets his servant saying, the Lord be with you. And immediately they answer him, like, the Lord bless you. Like, there has to yeah. be some level He's of respect, respecting. like, to be able to greet your boss like that. Um and then he immediately notices Ruth. Like he literally, that's the second mm -hmm. question out of his mouth is, who is that? Yes, um, I love that. And so I find like the fact that he takes key to her, it's like, it's almost like he was like led to her. Like here, wait, who's that? Because there had to be lots of women picking. Like, I, I don't think, I think we can need to get a better picture of this. Like it was a huge field and there were like yeah. women who were widows and orphans and like just people women would literally come and like pick the harvest so when they say these reapers come they literally come through and reap the field like clear the harvest so to speak and so anything that was yeah. left behind this is where these women get to go through and kind of pick stuff that they needed for their own house and um that's what ruth is actually doing right here yeah. so the fact that he actually yeah. noticed her out of all these not saying there's a lot of women on the field i don't know how many women there are but she definitely was among multiple women that were reaping the harvest as well. Yeah. And probably had been for a while. Yeah. I mean, remember she's come to the town. He was already there, already wealthy. So he's probably seen a lot of women. Yeah. Um, 
But what's interesting is that he asks, like you said, he notices her in chapter two, he notices her and says, who's that? But then later on, just a few verses down in verse 11, chapter two, um, he says, yes, I know, speaking to her uh, when she says, I'm only a foreigner. So he's already heard about her. Yeah. Um, it says, I've al- I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. Ladies, your reputation can speak right. for itself. Right. You don't have to say character. anything. Um, her character, Ruth's character is what got this man's attention. Yeah. Ruth didn't have to say much. It's interesting because the the servant guys or the field guys were also observing and watching her. Mm-hmm. They were looking out for their master, but I'm sure they were like, "Oh, who's she and what is she about?" and And the way they describe her character um, just makes me think, "Oh my goodness, people are watching." It may not be the man that's watching. It's the people around him who may know him now or who may know him later. Mm-hmm. It could be a colleague. It could be some random person. It could be a family member. You just don't know. It translates into all areas of our lives, right? You're going to a job. You've got people who are watching you who are examining to see if you will actually display that Christ-like character. If you say you're a Christian, let's see yeah. if you're truly a Christian. Um, or let's see if you truly yep. stand up for things that you believe in. So right. good. And then the other thing is work. Um, I just want to point that out before we leave chapter two. Towards the end of it, when Ruth goes back to Naomi and tells her, oh, look what this nice man did. And, you know, Naomi's starting to think in her head, like, how can we make this happen? <laughs> um, <laughs> she also she also tells Ruth to it says in chapter 22, stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. Two things here. One, stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. Work the whole season, however long it takes, is basically what she's saying. Uh, be diligent. Be Show up every morning. Do what it is that you need to do. Uh, continue to be excellent, because in due time, he'll notice. Yeah. That's essentially what she's saying. Continue to do the work. Um, continue to come to the field. Continue to pick the grain uh, because eventually he will notice. And I think that is so good. And then the other thing is you might be harassed in other fields. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Even the harassment part, one, that she was a Moabite woman coming into like a field of Israelites, so to speak. I see assault yeah. there. But it's almost like going mm-hmm. back to like the whole thing, like Boaz grew up with a mom who was redeemed from her culture. And Naomi knew that, like she had to know that. That's why she knew that yeah. Ruth would not be assaulted because Boaz was not 100% Jewish. He had to be 50-50 if you actually do the math, or at least me attempting to mm-hmm. do math here. 50% <laughs> from Jericho, 50% from a Jewish man he like knew that he would she knew that he would protect her because she knew his background it sets the table almost for Ruth to just come in and you just see this beautiful story of like redemption yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I feel yeah. like that's like the next place to go is like the story of redemption here like it's such a beautiful yeah. story about how like God steps in to redeem um, but he redeems everybody yes, in the story beautiful part of it Naomi Ruth Boaz, like everybody is redeemed here. God, God makes it so that um, His people are okay in all circumstances in this story. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It definitely sets the tone for what happens in the New Testament when, you know, Jesus comes and he's talking to the Jews, but then he also is reaching out to the Gentiles. And, and then, you know, we read about Paul. Paul's mission was to the Gentiles. Um, this is a God who, right from Abraham, had said, and I will make you a blessing. You'll be a blessing to all nations. And all nations was not just the one particular race. It included the Gentiles. It included people from all races. And so to see how God has used, first it was Rahab, <laughs> and then we have now um, Ruth, who are completely not Jewish, but kind of intertwined the yeah. story because he's trying to, he's fulfilling this covenant that he had ratified um, back in Genesis, what is it, 15. So it's it's amazing how this is a reflection of what happens in the New Testament and what's playing out today. Like we are believers because we have a God who um, opened it up, not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles and because of what Jesus did. Yeah. Yeah, so in um, chapter three, yeah, in the, um, the whole threshing floor, the whole, I mean, I know you have a lot of imagery when it comes to foreshadowing Jesus. Um, I want to draw your attention to where um, Ruth says, after she goes to Boaz, lies as Naomi tells her at his feet. He wakes up in the morning. She's there. He's like, whoa. What are you doing? <laughs> she's like, I'm your servant. <laughs> and we're just like, okay, culture. You know, we right. have to acknowledge that this is a different time and this is how they did things. Uh, it's a little weird, but um, she says, I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. Beautiful. Right? So my version, what I like is that where it says, I am Ruth, your servant, spread your wings over your servant for you are my redeemer. Um, wow. I feel like that's just a beautiful picture of, even in the Psalms, we see where the Lord literally just, the psalmist cries out, spread your wings over your protection over me. And it's just a beautiful picture of just Jesus covering us. Like he has us covered. His blood covers us. If we have placed our faith in Christ, we have died to the old ways and we live this like this beautiful new life in him, but it's his covering. He literally spreads his arms across foreshadowing of the cross. If you want to think about it, his arms are spread out on the cross saying, I have you covered. Like I, my arms are out. My blood has been poured out. It's beautifully intertwined how he always tells his story of how his son is coming into mm -hmm. the scene. And even like the fact that it's the threshing floor, like Jesus literally, like he, he took everything. Like he literally was made a mm -hmm. curse on a cross, bore everything. He bore our sin. He bore everything you could do from, from the moment the cross happened to the moment you are dead and forever with Christ. Like he yeah. covered everything. Like it doesn't matter what you do. He covered it all and he redeemed you in that moment. And just this beautiful picture of him. I, I just envisioned him literally spreading his wings over me and saying, Lindsay, I got you. Like you screwed up. It's mm -hmm. okay. I got you. And, and it's just encouraging that even yeah. in the midst of everything going on, because let's be real, there is a ton happening right now. There's riots and protests and just, I, COVID and everything that is happening right now. But I, I just feel like we just really need to remind a lot of people tonight, like 
eyes up. Like, Daddy has you. He has you covered. It may seem like chaos and confusion and destruction is all around, but I feel like he's calling a lot of us to just look up. Yeah. I just feel like somebody needs to hear that. So, yeah. And I, I love it. It's That's so, powerful. It's so good. I think, uh, you know, you're saying it, and I just, I went back and I was reading the verse, and, you know, Ruth says, I am your servant. That's humility there, right? Yeah. And she has no shame. Yeah. Because, I mean, who, if my mother told me, I need you to go over to that man, and lift up his blanket and lay at his feet. I think I would look at him like, Mom, are you serious right now? Are you sure you want to do this? But the humility and yeah. she's set aside her vulnerability. The vulnerability, yeah, too. She is, she's putting herself mm-hmm. at, like, the lowest position ever. And, you know, we point everything back to Christ and say that's how we approach Christ. We come to Christ humble. Like, you know what? I'm not perfect. I have a past. I have a story. But I'm yeah. I'm choosing to believe that you've got something that no one else can give me. She didn't go anywhere else. She didn't go mm. to any other guy because I'm sure there were other relatives that were there. And you'll see that even um, Boaz talks about it. He said, oh, there's a kinsman that's closer to you than I am. Yeah. But hold on. Let me go take care of myself, take care of whatever I need to take care of legally to make sure that this is clean. But she didn't go there. And, and this is just to say, just carrying on from where Lindsay left off, Jesus has something better to offer to every single one of us, better than we can find in whether it's mm-hmm. money, our career, another man, or whatever the riches that the world has to offer. It's, it's not going to be there. You can only find it in him. And the only way you find it in him is when you come boldly and when you come humbly before him. When you don't mm-hmm. allow your past yep. to hold you back, because a lot of this, too, Come on. and that's like the story with Ruth, is yep. that she did not allow her past to be one, a Moabite, and two, a widow. A widow at a very yeah. young age, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, did not let that get in her way of getting the good and the promises yeah. and the blessings, which I'm sure she had heard of, but this is a God who blesses his people who obey him, and so she's like, I'm going to press into that right now. And so it, it just, it struck me that there is humility that's needed when we approach God. Wow. I think that's um, one thing I want to focus on just for both Ruth and Boaz was their patience with yeah. the process um, that they both had to go through. So with Ruth, it was first you got to work through the summer or however long it took to show up at his grain field every day and get his attention. Then you got to go through the motions of whatever that plan Naomi had for her to go there that night, you know, do all that stuff. And then when you finally do get Boaz's attention, he's like, wait, we got to clear this through the legal process. Uh, We got to go talk to this other guy and see what he says. And so I love that they're both patient enough to see God, um, see it all the way through and, and not try to like, like Boaz didn't rush the decision. He went ahead and went through the process and Ruth did not um, rush the decision in, in terms of just how to get his attention. She did what yeah. she was told to do. Um, so, so those two things, that patience, that obedience, and um, just that willingness to let God do the work behind the scenes. I think it's something we can also take yeah. away from this story. Yeah. Waiting for the fullness of time to step into like what he's laid out for us. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of times we just want to rush yeah. it because we're like, no, 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 we want that. But there's so many underlining things mm-hmm. that need to fall into place for him to step us into that beautiful p- 
like purpose that he has written from the beginning of time for us. Yeah. And it's, it's hard waiting. It is, it is hard waiting. So the biggest theme I think with Ruth, at least for me, apart from the loyalty and the devotion of the relationship that the women have, um, apart from the find your man, find a good one, that whole thing, actually don't find right. him, let him find you ladies. Through that, your that's, character that's the whole here. Story. <laughs> Through your character and your work and he'll find you, you know. Um, apart from those two things, I also just really love that yeah. story of redemption yeah. that we get from this, um, where every single character that we hear about here is redeemed. And in the end, you also see that we hear from the beginning that Boaz is wealthy and influential, but like throughout the whole story, people yeah. keep blessing right. him. Naomi keeps calling him blessed. Those servants keep blessing him. The elders in the town towards the end keep blessing him. Like, look what a good character yeah. can do. People right. will bless you. Um, and God will honor that. They'll see, like, you'll see the favor of God on your life uh, when you have that upstanding character that other people can also see and identify. Why? Because it reflects who God is and it shows yeah. his heart. Um, so we want to we wanna aspire to that. We want to aspire to uh, the, the kinds of blessings that other people are showering on Boaz in the story. And I love, like, in the end of the story, um, we see that the blessing that the elders put on him, Ruth 4, 12 says, and may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestors, Perez, son of Tamar and Judah. Judah. So mentioning Tamar, uh, who we can talk about in a future episode. I don't know who we should do next, but um, <laughs> eventually we'll talk about Tamar, but she's uh, one of the other women. There's five women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. So we've talked about um, Ruth. We talked about Rahab. Yeah, we've got Tamar, we've got um, Mary, and who's the other one? I'm missing one. It's Ruth, Rahab, Bathsheba. Sorry, that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's Ruth, Rahab, Bathsheba, Tamar, and Mary. Boaz gives birth to Obed, who is the father of Jesse, who is the father of King David. So we're seeing like the genealogy of Jesus starting to take form. And what you're supposed to take from these characters is like, what about them yeah. tells us about Jesus? Why is why is she mentioned? I love it. So good. So who do you I talk really about want to next? talk about Deborah. I like Deborah. Yeah. Not really her. <laughs> give us a little, preview. A little I preview. Was, I don't remember how old I was, but my mom had taken my brother and I to um, a lady who was, you know, I want to call her prophet. I don't know what it was, but some lady that she really um, looked up to. And this woman was praying over my brother and I, and she said, she looked at me and she goes, and you're Deborah. And I went, I was probably like eight or seven. I did not understand it because I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, like, yes. Let's dig into yeah. why that I is a powerful declaration yeah. over I'm your excited. life. Let's talk about Deborah. Next week. Sure. Sounds good, girls.